first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Um, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Alright, we are here with Mr. Mike from Retromania Wrestling, and it is really great to finally get the chance to talk to you, man. How's it going? Great, Ty. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So the main thing that I really want to dig into is obviously the game you're making, but before we get to that, I need to preface this conversation with a few things. Uh, Fans of the show already know this, but I uh, am deeply, deeply into pro wrestling. When I was from 17 to 21, I pursued a career in it, and uh, it it never went anywhere, you know? It was just very isolated to, like, my area of the Southeast, but it's something that I, I really, really love, and it's very ingrained in my heart. And with that said... Mr. Hughes is now uh, slotted to be on the roster of the game. So I wanted to tell you briefly a story about when I turned 18, uh, I decided, okay, I'm not going to go to my graduation from high school. I'm going to go to Atlanta and train with Mr. Hughes. And he does uh, like a a week-long wrestling camp up there. And that was my first real experience in a wrestling ring. Um, And he is a very intimidating man. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's so cool. Uh, who are the, like, you, you've obviously interacted with a lot of different people. So who, what's been the journey and of getting this thing together with all the different wrestlers? Yeah. I mean, initially, you know, when I started this, oh, it's probably over two years ago now, the idea was I was going to take YouTubers uh, and make basically a, you know, a remake of WrestleFest, which was my favorite game growing up. And still to this day is my favorite game uh, that I ever played. Um, I played it. Since uh, I found emulators in 1998, I started playing it again uh, at home. So um, initially, the thought of approaching and talking to pro wrestlers was very intimidating, similar to how you first uh, met Mr. Hughes. So I decided I would go the YouTube wrestler route. And I've been watching, since YouTube started, these retro uh, gaming channels. Uh, Some of my favorites are depicted in the game. But... um, I was going to have them as the primary wrestlers initially, just because I didn't know how to contact pro wrestlers. Eventually, I was like, well, let me see if I can get a hold of the Road Warrior animal. Um, so I started looking online. I got bounced around to a couple different bookers who said they knew him and could speak for him and do a deal. After going to, going through about three or four of them, I finally got somebody who actually got animal to respond. And... Um, I was able to sign Animal and Hawk, and from there I was like, "All right, if I can get the probably the most recognizable tag team in the history of wrestling mm-hmm. in my game, I can get anybody." You know what I mean? So uh, that that really really gave me confidence to start pursuing other people as well. 
Yeah, I mean, you've got an amazing roster right now, and I actually enjoy the fact that it's mostly, I mean, Hawk and Animal are obviously legendary, right. but the the indie kind of guys that are in this, because, I, I mean, we all know that the people that are on TV and shit, but like the people that are like actually out there grinding, like you got Zack Sabre Jr., you got Colt Cabana, you got Jeff Cobb, like this is such a an amazing opportunity, not just for you, but I mean, like for them, they're like, hey, I'm in a video game, like this kind of... Yep not legitimizes their career by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, but, but I it's think, so cool. Yeah, for them I think that was a there was a coolness factor where a bunch of those yeah. guys like the guys you just said had never been in a video game before. Not all of them. I think Zach was in Fire Pro, but uh, like Jeff, this is his first appearance in Colt Cabana. As surprised as I was to find that out, it was his first appearance in a video game as well. Um and yeah, we wanted to, you know, I went so many different directions when I was initially planning the roster out. And I really, I like personally all eras of wrestling. I mean, you know, some eras were stronger than others. You know, we can admit that. But each era had its highlights for me. So I really wanted to take that and get pull guys from each era of wrestling. And the other thing is, uh, going forward, hopefully the game's a huge success and we can keep adding more DLC to it. You never know who we're going to announce now for DLC. Like Mr. Hughes, I think, was out of left field for a lot of people. Um like wow mr hughes you know what i mean it's like who won't these guys go after to get so um you know and i think we're trying to mix not just like um for mr hughes in particular though him him in a suit wrestling in sunglasses it's just different you know what i mean you don't see that a lot and that's what we're trying to go for as well i love the fact that the timeline especially in the story mode has no basis in reality it's such a it's (laughs) a Acid dream fantasy. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, okay, so I, I get to be uh, Johnny Retro, if I'm not mistaken, is essentially John Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I get to be <laughs> John Morrison fighting the Russian nightmare, and right? <laughs> the Blue Meanie, and like this is absolutely fantastic. I I wanted to get your perspective on like you get to book your own story essentially. You get to live out your wrestling fantasy uh, through making this game, right? And so. I mean, it's obviously convoluted and hilarious because you can make different decisions. So like, all right, I'm just going to go heal the whole way. That's right. that's the way I played it the first time. And <sighs> I mean, so that kind of jumbles up sort of the predetermined storyline uh, as you go through the rest of the story. And then, you know, you build up this huge rivalry with uh, Zach Super Jr. And then I can just be like, yeah, I'm just going to tag team. Right. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wanted to give we wanted to give the choice up to the player. And you know what? I've seen booking done that way. You know what I yeah. mean? Everybody's seen that stuff. So you never know. That's the kind of crazy thing that I think draws wrestling fans to wrestling. I'm me being one of them. It's just like, it's great when you don't know what to expect. You know what I mean? And that's what I always loved. Like, at least I always loved the surprise entrance and, you know, the run-ins that you weren't expecting and, and stuff like that. So yeah, our story goes all over the place and we have uh, two more chapters. We have a to be continued at the end. Um, cause we were just taking too long to develop the game was really, we already wrote chapters, uh, four and five. So mm-hmm. they're going to be coming out as a free update to the game as well. So uh, I think the, the story's gone over really well. People seem to really enjoy it. I, I definitely agree. Like it's nothing but pure fun so yeah. far and I can't wait to play the rest of it. And I can't wait to see it because you said earlier, now that you've got a published game, like when you were just approaching people beforehand, like, Hey, you want to be in this weird game thing? Like you know, <laughs> maybe let's see how they feel but now that it's like out there oh well i get to be in the same game that all these other people are in so it's going to be really interesting to see it play out now do you have go ahead no i was just gonna say it's funny because we were chasing everybody before now we're getting we're getting some attention now 
where yeah, people are approaching yes. us. Uh, hey, I would love to you ever think of including me in the game. Uh, so we're definitely getting that. And I think part uh, that that's just uh, goes to show like Cole Cabana, Matt Cardona have streamed the game and really gotten a great reaction from people and their fans from it. So kind of word of mouth carries. And then, you know, like Tommy Dreamer, um, Nick Aldis have all been been tweeting that out because they'll, look, they'll, they'll pimp themselves out to no, to the nth degree because they're in it. So, you know what I mean? They, they won't. They'll they'll show anything I send them that has them in it. They'll tweet it out. They'll put it on yeah. Facebook. They'll do whatever. Yeah, Colt has always been excellent. He's awesome. He's like the the prime example of an independent wrestler who knows how to promote himself. Absolutely. I mean, part Absolutely. of the reason why I'm sitting here doing a podcast is because of him. Like I was yep. addicted to the art of wrestling forever. I mean, that's what got me. Like uh, I'm gonna go be a wrestler. Fuck it. Right. I'm gonna try everything. <laughs> uh, live your dreams. And he he's easily one of my favorites of all time for that reason. Yep. Uh, and also because he's, I mean, the comedy genius. Though. Yeah, he's real. I, I, I really enjoy him. I really yeah. do. And you've gotten a lot of really good talent. We already kind of talked about the way that, you know, these are wrestlers that are not like worldwide TV famous necessarily. I mean, you've got Tommy Dreamer. You've got all those guys. But I mean, Warhorse was an excellent addition to the roster he won the first uh, what you're calling indie mania if i yep. understand correctly yeah so, so we we ran uh we ran a contest i mean i can't believe it's like a year ago now at this point but um we ran a co- over a year ago we ran a contest called we called it indie mania and we decided we were gonna if re- originally it was gonna be 64 but we mm-hmm. it was hard enough getting 32 tracking down 32 guys to sign contracts to be in this because they're hold my lawyers like you got to get them to sign off ahead of time and all this other stuff but uh, we got 32 independent wrestlers that we we solicited from our uh, our social media followers to give us names, and whoever kind of got the highest number of votes, we put them in this tournament. And Warhorse, I had never heard of before, so this was as much for me to get to know people as well because I'm a lot of the guys I had never heard of before. But yeah. the guy who helps me with my social media is huge into indie indie independent wrestling, so he knew almost everybody. But um. We got them in here, and we had the guys do promos, um, and the fans would vote to see who moved on to the next round. So I think at a minimum, it was great exposure for them even to be in this because, you know, we were growing our follower base, but, you know, anything helps to get your name out there. And Warhorse kind of just came out of nowhere, and his promos were great, and he just did such a phenomenal job and ended up winning it. You you really go the extra mile doing, uh, as you said, you never even heard of him before, but like the the showmanship in the game, uh, in a, all of the, it's in a retro game. It's very subtle, but like war for, or sorry, war horse doing his like headbang yep. taunt and everything. And even the introduction, which I'm sure a lot of people kind of skip over, but you get the following will be in all capitals. <laughs> right. like, yep. And so how much research are you doing day to day? Like tr- trying to get all those little details in place. Yeah, we definitely, once they were in the game, so our roster, you know, the, one of the knocks is our roster isn't huge yet. So we have 16 guys, but we wanted to make sure we really capture everything. And Warhorse was, sends me this pencil drawn sketch. Hey, you think you could do this stage in the game? And it yeah. was what became our hell stage. And it's pretty much dead on to what he envisioned it to be. And I'll tell you, it's we've gotten one of the greatest reactions from that stage. Um, and that's and that's one of the things I think that sets us all, you know, apart from the other other wrestling games is we're doing stuff like uh, we have zombies in our in our hell audience. You know what I mean? We're trying to have fun and make it fun because that's why we all watch pro wrestling is to be entertained. Um, we we tried to really 
go away from the sim route as much as possible and really get back to the arcade roots that we all played, you know, in, um, well, for people my age at least, but for, you know, in the arcades, the, the original wrestling games where it, the matches weren't super long, uh, you could get in, the controls were pretty simple to pick up and just go in and have a fun game. And that's what we really tried to capture. Yeah. And in, in my circles, I've been talking a lot about the game and one of the main takeaways is like, Oh, is this going to be like fire pro? And I'm like, no, uh, right. cause fire pro is a sim. It's like a wrestling game for really technical people who really right. want to get into every little detail of it. And uh, Retromania, if I'm not just missing something here is essentially like a, a six stick arcade game or a six button arcade game. You could play it on Got a fighting it. stick and it's so much more fun that way. And I I've had so many conversations with people about like, well, the reason why like 2k sucks is because it loses that element that we wanted when we, you know, you, you mentioned you were a kid playing arcade games. I mean, my era was, you know, no mercy oh, yeah. 2000. That, like these are really the heyday. That was the heyday yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. And sh- uh, shut your mouth even was really fun. And it, that just gets lost in this, you know, constant attack on like, let's try to be really realistic. I'm like wrestling was never realistic. In the first <laughs> right. <place."> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what we're really trying to to make the game fun. Like every decision we made was to make it fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we we're all automatically going to get the the comparisons to Fire Pro just because we're a two D wrestling game, and that's really the only other two D wrestling game out there. So we're immediately going to get comparisons to it, and we we wanted to stand apart from Fire Pro. And don't get me wrong, I love Fire Pro. I've played yeah. it. You know, I, I I've been playing it since Six Man Scramble on the Sega Saturn when I imported it in. Uh, and I couldn't even read Japanese, but I figured it out, you know, how to do everything, printing translations. So yeah. I'm definitely not knocking Fire Pro, but I didn't want to make Fire Pro. They did a really good job on their game. Um, I wanted to make a an arcade game, and, and I think we did a really good job in that. Yeah, one of my good friends, I was just talking to him right before this interview started, and I was saying how, like, you know, the difference between this and Fire Pro, and his response was like, okay, so Fire Pro is like Skate, and Retromania is like Tony Hawk, where it's it's not based in reality. It's just right. fucking fun. Like that's yep. the whole point. Yeah. I love it, dude. I really like, uh, as soon as it came out, I think I got off work that morning and just sat down and played it 100% all the way through. Wow. <laughs> so you played it when it was the hard version. Yeah. 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 I, I haven't, <laughs> since you've updated it with all the different stuff, I haven't really gotten a chance to sit back down. So right. what have you done since like release to change things? Yeah. So we, we, we had the, the only real criticism we had out of the gate was it was difficult that it was too difficult. And I think part of that was on us because we, we had the same beta testers basically from probably about halfway through development to the end of development. And they got good at the game and we did, we thought it was too easy. So we almost ramped up the difficulty too much and we just kind of, all right, this is perfect. You know, and it was well, it was tough for people, and 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 especially if you never played Fire Pro before, because we do have a timing based grapple system. It's not all timing. We definitely add our button mashing moments as well, <laughs> but it is a timing based one. So there is a learning curve for that. So what we did is we dialed down the difficulty on the only on the first two difficulty levels. So for those of you wanting a challenge, you can still crank it up and get the same difficulty as you did before. But the bigger thing we did is we added what we call the grapple assist, which kind of has visual feedback if you press a button too early, too late. So it's similar to, I would compare it to like the shot uh, meter in like NBA 2K, where it'll tell you too early, too late on your release of your shot, something like that. So 
once we made those two changes within like three days of launching, that all the difficulty all went away. Um, and then now everyone's just, you know, really getting great. Now we're getting just nothing but great feedback on the game. I mean, that's an interesting take on it. And I'm, sh- I can definitely see how a lot of people would respond that way. My, I never thought the game is too hard. I just thought that, okay, I didn't get it quite enough tutorial before I got into the meat of it. So, I mean, right. you get the first little thing where, all right, you're in the gym and all right. So here's like the basic stuff, run, tackle, you know, grapple. All right, right. move on with your life. And it didn't really explain how the, the uh, what are you calling it? The charisma system or the, right. the height? Just taunt, okay. Yeah. You're taunting yeah. and how that helps your momentum. The momentum yeah. bar is what we call it. Yeah. The biggest thing that got me, which was I lost several matches in a row because I would get tossed out of the ring and I was not taught how to get back in the ring. I figured out eventually like double tap. Um, Yeah. So we put that on the, we put that on the controls. If you pause it and go to controls, it says it there too. But those things, I think we, again, I think that was like, we took for granted stuff that we put on so early mm -hmm. um, that we didn't, we just you know to us it was natural and and granted you know this is my first time through development although we have seasoned people but i think we just it would have helped if we would have gotten some new beta testers on i think we could have flushed that out a little bit better so those are the types of changes we're making now for um for new users because we do want to appeal to not just hardcore wrestling fans but just casual people who want to jump in because it's a great casual game to play uh, especially if you get multiplayer going locally um, we can play up to eight people on, on certain systems. Uh, so it, I think once, once hopefully the country starts opening back up again or the world starts opening back up again, we'll see a lot more of that as well. I know this is kind of far off, but do you envision there being online multiplayer at some point? Yeah, so we actually started early on. It was the plan to include it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So we did lay some groundwork, but we were having all kinds of like lag issues and things like that. And I did a lot of research on this, and a lot of games, their launch was killed because of bad online multiplayer. So I thought, well, let's do it right and not rush it. Because we were already, we're a really small team, and we were already taking a lot more. We took, we bit off more than we could chew to begin with. Um, Because there's a reason there aren't a lot of wrestling games, uh, especially as of late. They're, they're, they're difficult to make, you know, it's like, I remember my, my lead programmer, just to emphasize that point, my lead programmer was not a wrestling fan. So when I told him just a simple mechanic of an Irish whip, you're going to throw him into the ropes and he's going to come back at you. And he's like, well, why would I just keep running into the ropes? Well, you know, it's like, why wouldn't I just stop? Or why wouldn't I just grab the ropes? And I'm like, yeah, I, and I had to explain wrestling to him. You know what I mean? So there's some, some mechanics that are really specific to wrestling games um, that you really don't see in any other games. So, you know, that, that was part of it as well. But so we definitely, to answer your question directly, once we get through launch, we're going to circle back to online multiplayer and then see what it's going to take to do it right. I, I to, In response to that, uh, I will say, and I'm sure Mr. Hughes will never remember me for the rest of my life, but he taught me this lesson that you think, oh, why wouldn't I just stop? You can't. <laughs> You're not stopping. When somebody like a big man fucking throws you like that, dude, you turn around and you hit that rope because it's the only saving grace you have. And if you got to right. take a clothesline on the other end of it, that's... You're all you're worried about is not dying when you hit those ropes. No, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I think the casual, like the, the, the non wrestling fan is the one that has the, the hard time uh, grasping that concept. Tell him to get in the ring. We'll, show him. <laughs> well, it's funny. I got in the ring once recently, right before everything happened. First time I was the first time I was ever inside a wrestling ring. Tommy dreamer invited me 
to the Philadelphia Comic Con. The House of Hardcore is running some shows there. So he said, why don't you come down? We have some extra space. You can demo the game. Um, And then so I got in and and I got a picture in there. And I went to get in the ring and I almost tripped getting into the ring. And I just I didn't see Tommy's face, but I'm pretty sure he just rolled his eyes and kind of shook his head. Uh, like I, cause I got my first leg in and I just tried to do it how I've seen it on TV a million times. And when I pulled my second leg in, it just kind of clipped the rope and, uh, I almost wiped out. Luckily I didn't though, but it was embarrassing. There's a, nonetheless, there's a finesse to it. I mean, yeah. they make it look so e- That's the oh, magic of wrestling. They make it look yeah. so easy on television. And the reality is that nothing, nothing about it is easy. <laughs> for sure. So that must've been a really fun experience. I mean, you don't necessarily get to, go to a bunch of conventions all the time right now in the way in the climate we're in, but especially demoing like, okay, so let's say you went to PAX or whatever, that would make sense. But you know, you're going to like a comic con where they're showing a wrestling show to show a game about wrestling. That's must've been a really interesting experience. Yeah. I mean, I, it was basically, I I got in for nothing. You know what I mean? So it was just my time. I took my oldest son down there to help me Mm -hmm. and you know, they were drawing wrestling fans over there. So we got a lot of good publicity about it. And, you know, we'll take any publicity we can get. We're not super huge. Um, we're growing, and I think word is going to start spreading. You know, our Steam reviews have been really solid, very positive rating on Steam. So I think the, the word is going, but I still, we're trying to spread the word. Because um, really, I want to, obviously, I want to make money, but I want to reinvest because there's still a lot of stuff. This is a passion project for me. And yeah. I really want to add more features to this that I had to scrap because we didn't have time to put everything in. Um, so... So you mentioned that this was kind of your first dive into making a game commercially and everything. So what, what was your background before that? So I do have a back, I have a background in software engineering, um, mm-hmm. but it's all finance and accounting software. So as, as sexy as that job is and as entertaining as accounting and finance software is, uh, I decided, you know, I wanted a little more out of my software engineering background. So that's when I dove into to game development. So I had done, when I, when I got my master's, I actually did wrote a small game. Um, or actually, I didn't even write it. I modified game code um, yeah. for my for uh, for a program, uh, and you know that's as much as I've done outside of like just dabbling here and there. So I knew when I got serious, I needed to hire lead programmers. You know, so I took my background was project management. Now, um, so I was able to do that. Uh, but the problem is, I still had a big learning curve because I can manage finance and accounting projects because I know them very well. I've been doing it for 20 years, but I'd never made a game before. So the business side of it, I was fine with, but even like estimating how long things were going to take, um, you know, and hence the, you know, the delays we had with releasing the game and then the whole world situation didn't help matters. And I wouldn't say that was the major reason uh, we delayed. It was definitely more of my inexperience personally than, than the world climate because we are all remote anyway. Uh, we don't have an office, uh, but it definitely didn't. It didn't help matters. So, yeah, I mean, I spend a lot of time obviously talking to indie game developers, and you mentioned earlier, like just your beta testers were so used to the game by the time it comes out, it's like okay, it's a bit too difficult for the normal person. I mean, I had a really good conversation recently with a guy named Christus who's making a, a game called Doombringer, and. So his background was like, he'd been a modder for Doom forever. I mean, he's a professional Doom player, if anyone ever was. And, you know, I I play it and I'm like, this game is kind of super difficult, man. And and, I mean, like normal should be normal, right? Like it it should be like anybody could 
feasibly jump into this without right. really being an experienced shooter player, or in your case, an experienced fighting game player. And you take it a step further because even if you're really good at Tekken, you're not necessarily going to understand the mechanics of a wrestling right. game. Uh, so I totally understand that. And that's just one small aspect of a huge plethora of issues that can come through when you're developing any, any kind of game. Yeah. So what, what has it been like managing the team though? Yeah. So it's been, um, I, I've got lucky because the guys that all work with me ha- are phenomenal. Uh, yeah. They're great to work with. The, the challenging part is we're all in, well, not all of us, but most of us are in different time zones. And when I mean different, I mean like my lead programmer is in Vietnam. He's actually from California, but he lives in Vietnam now. And uh, so he's, you know, 12 hours difference. Um, so we either meet late at night or early in the morning. But he, he's been, you know, he's been awesome. Uh, and I think the, the, the hardest part was managing the art because we got a lot of contractors for art and keeping everything in line. And, you know, the number of the art assets we have for this game, that was something I I didn't really, I knew it was going to be a lot, but we're talking like a thousand individual sprites for each character. So it's like 16,000 sprites are in the game. And on top of that, the story artwork and, and the environmental artwork and everything else. So I think I probably compartmentalized it too much where we probably would have saved some time if they, they would have been talking to each other directly. Um, And I I don't know if it's me micromanaging uh, and just, you know, it's, it's hard to let go of your baby. You know what I mean? So I really wanted input on everything. And it's not that I didn't trust them to do it right, but I had a very specific vision uh, that I wanted executed a certain way. And I'm sure, you know, I probably annoyed all of them at one point or another, um, but you know, they were all great. They didn't tell me that at least, and they're all great to work with and they're still helping us get up over the finish line now. So it's really, really cool. The, the whole, I, I love the fact that indie gamers or indie developers are thriving in this climate right now, because a, a lot of, you know, major studios were, Oh crap, we can't go into the office. What are we going to do? How do we do this? But you're already as a, just a part of what you're doing, managing people all across the globe. So that was never going to be a major transition for you. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I I mean, it it worked out well in that regard. You know, we definitely, everybody was kind of preoccupied. That was our biggest issue, right? So when everything, when everything started happening, we, our productivity definitely dropped until people got used to our new normal. I want to say, um, it took a couple months though, because everybody had family members, dealing with it different ways and and all over the country like i said uh two of our artists uh were in spain so and they were one of the countries that got hit really hard initially um so you know we they lost some time there where they were dealing with you know their family and things of that nature and Mm -hmm. um so but it's been it's been really great like and i also i like working with people from other countries we definitely have our share of u.s uh based people too. Our environmental artist is down in North Carolina. Our art director was in uh, California. Um, I know we have a couple people in Canada, but it, the cool thing was we, we had people, I had an artist in New Zealand, Spain, I'd mentioned Italy, Canada, Brazil, um, Argentina. Mm-hmm. You know, we have people all over, uh, all over the world helping us out, India, Indonesia, um, so it was really cool interacting with people from other cultures as well. That has definitely been my experience just talking to people. Cause I, I never know, like, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to check out who made that game. And then I'm like, okay, 
Uh, so Quick Tequila made that game uh, that it, he, he's such a great dude. He lives originally in India. So I'm like looking for an Indian guy, but then I'll find out, okay, he lives in Hong Kong. So I got to track him down there. I'm like, <laughs> so, I'm like, and, and his game is essentially like very East Asian style game. And I was like, okay, so is this guy like, what, where, where are you from, dude? And he's just right. like, well, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like what time zone are you on? And he finally tells like, oh, I live in Hong Kong now. I'm like, okay, so that explains why your game is so like East Asian themed. But like, so then I, I messaged him later because I noticed there's a lot of people in India who listen to the show. And I'm like, can you teach me how to say like, welcome to End the Keep podcast in Hindi? And he's like, I don't even remember how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I don't think I just said the name of the game, but Lovely Planet. Uh, okay. For anybody listening and wants to check that out. Man. So you mentioned that the artists had to make so many different sprites for each character. And yep. one of the things that really stands out in any wrestling game is, you know, like the move sets of each individual person. And there's always going to be like kind of the stock moves. I mean, if you go back to WrestleMania 2000, you see people doing moves that they would never do in real life. Right. right. Like, I, I, man, I don't think he does a pile driver, but right. that's, that's just the default. Right. Move right. So what were the challenges in like getting the art for each individual, one of those moves and doing your research on each wrestler? Yeah. I mean, so we got, we, we hit YouTube up a lot because like I, mm -hmm. I knew almost everybody for the most part, but like a lot of these guys, like Zack Sabre Jr. does a million different things. Yeah. So, and he's unique where he has the most submissions in our game. Yeah. So, um, you know, we had to do research and then we had to get it to the art and the animator, our lead animator. We had a couple, but the guy who did majority of the work was from Brazil and he didn't, um, he wasn't, he didn't know wrestling. So we would take YouTube clips of the guys doing the actual moves, try to get a couple different angles of them and send them down to them. So we got, we have it. It's typically five to six, at least of their 12 grapple. Moves. And I wouldn't say it's that high. It's at least yeah, four to five of their 12 grapple moves are unique to the wrestler. Right. Um, or, you know, would be considered their specialties or, you know, their specialty moves and then their, their finisher as well. Um, so we definitely wanted to add a lot of variety to it. And I think each one of, some of them have a few more than others. Uh, and it's probably more so because I was more familiar with their move sets and it yeah. had, like Colt, I knew a lot more of. Um, and it's funny, I think he was playing the stream, he was playing on stream going through it. And he's like, did you give me the flying asshole? And, yeah. I, and then he did it and he's like, yes, you gave it to me. And it's like, it was, it was really cool for me to see him play as himself. And he was annoyed. He wasn't wearing his headband, uh, coming into the ring. So we, uh, our, our next update, he will have his headband when he walks yeah, into the, the ring. Good old cabanorama. <laughs> yep. So part of the mechanic of the game is it does kind of limit what different styles of wrestlers could do. So like you, you mentioned Zach Sabre Jr. already. I mean, he's known for being the man of a, a million submission moves and, and it's wildly different than your typical, like, all right, we're going to do collar and elbow tie up, you right. know, around Irish whip. Like you don't doing that with Zach so much. And yeah, we don't have chain also, wrestling. <laughs> yeah. It's also an issue when you start talking about like high flying wrestlers, because I mean, you do have the, top rope moves but you're i mean you're not like doing six one nines in this game or anything like that so as you get more people in are you going to be experimenting more with different mechanics or are you trying to just keep it no i think so we we've gotten like johnny retro was kind of tough mm -hmm. he does a lot of those like we have a lot of corkscrew stuff with him we have the breakdance leg drop with him so i think it's really going to depend on who we get like i definitely we were talking we were trying to get jay lethal 
Mm-hmm. And it just, it didn't work out. I don't think Ring of Honor really wanted them doing it. Um, you know, That's we're going to try to, we're going to try to revisit that. Cause I really wanted to get him and he was excited to be in the game. Um, and I, and he just said he couldn't do it. So I don't want to put words in his mouth. I don't know what the reason was for it, but I think it was something to do with, with, cause he seemed pretty excited to be in the game. But, um, I was, I was wondering, how am I going to do the lethal injection? Cause that's a tough move yeah. to do in the, in the, in the system that we have built. Um, and just to get the timing right and for him to bounce off the ropes, but I, we're going to come up with, we're going to come up with solutions. So, um, so far, you know, we didn't, the only move that was really tough to do that we ended up not doing Colt does this move where he'll jump off the top rope and land when the guy moves out of the way and he'll kind of yeah. just bounce and then do a splash on him. And yeah. we, we tried doing that and we were having a really hard time making it work. So I'm like, all right, well, we have like five or six other of Colt's moves in. Let's bag that one for now. He really, I think he really wants a Superman pin in there. So I was thinking of a way to add that for him uh, later. Um, so we'll, we'll see if we can figure it out, but I would like to figure out, you know, how to do any move in wrestling for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting because you're as a game designer, you're stuck in this sort of, okay, what, what works for the mechanics of my game versus like what, you know, is going to sell like the, the coolness of the wrestling part of it right. and everything. There's, it's going to always kind of be a constant thing. So there will come a point where you, you have this thing that you would like to have in there, but it just straight up doesn't work for the right. mechanics of the game or, or, it, you know, breaks the, the player's immersion. Right. <laughs> or exactly. ability to do it. So you can't just turn around six months from now and say like, Oh, we've introduced all these new mechanics that have nothing to do with the original gameplay. Yeah, because we don't want to, we don't want to alienate our existing user base, right? Because yeah. we're we're already starting to grow on Steam, the, the Steam forums. We have a really good audience there who's given us a lot of great suggestions, and we really we're not looking to be like, all right, here's a game, see ya. You know, that's yeah. not. This is like I said before. This is my passion. I I want to add so many things to this still. Um, and I and that's not to say we released it without a lot of stuff in it. I think there's a lot of meat and potatoes in the game already but i think there's just obviously you know the first time out and being a small developer if we added every feature i wanted to which is basically any great feature any wrestling game has ever had um you know we we'd have been another two three years of development so yeah i mean i can't wait to see what you guys end up doing with the multiplayer even even if it's in a land environment it's going to be really cool to watch the communities kind of get together and then yeah. it'll probably cross pollinate with a lot of other fighting game communities. Like, Hey, we know there's, there's plenty of places that have like fighting game, like community centers yep. or, or even just people in their house, but to see what they do with it in terms of, you know, can we have a tournament and do we have a broadcast and a live stream or can you get real commentators or real wrestlers to kind of do that stuff for you, which I'm sure you'll be able to, it's going to be really, really fun. Like, yeah, we definitely, I yeah. mean, we definitely want to grow this community and see what we can do with it. Um, you know, I think we have a great start because, you know, I always said from the beginning, let's make sure the core game is fun. And once we do that, we can add a lot more bells and whistles to it. But mm-hmm. if the game isn't fun and people aren't enjoying it right out of the get-go, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to grow an audience. Definitely. I mean, d- pace yourself, man. I'm not yep. going to rush you into <laughs> online multiplayer. That, like, oh, no, I hear you. I hear you. Get out of here. But I just really can't wait to see what gets done with it, man. It's going to be very exciting to have a wrestling game that is, uh, we already had our comparisons to fire pro. Yep. Like that's more casual that anybody can get into. I mean, I'm sick Absolutely. and tired of super smash brothers. I can't take another. <laughs> so, 
this is speaking to my heart. Like, I just want to, I want to be Warhorse and win every match for the rest of <laughs> all eternity. <laughs> That's that's really fun to see the the different weird pairings. I mean, I, I said earlier, like, okay, well, I get to you know fight Hawk and Animal. I get to fight with the Russian Nightmare. I get to fight right. with all these different people, and I am deeply interested to see how are you are you planning on letting people kind of mess around with the story mode at all, like to create their own kind of uh, roster. You know, people have brought that up. Um, yeah. I think you know one of the things we did do is you could technically on the PC version. Yeah. We opened those files up. So for creative yeah. people, they can already get in there and change the entire story yeah. dialogue if they wanted to. Um, but I would like <laughs> to, one, one of the things though, I would love, and we were talking about this early on, it was just like, it could be a game in and of itself, but like create your own story mode almost yeah. and, and just give assets because we, we, the way we wrote, we, the way we wrote the mode, that each wrestler has like a neutral animation, an angry animation and a happy animation. So, and then we have backgrounds added. So it wouldn't be that difficult to just say, all right, you can select from every wrestler has these three animations, write your own story. You you're able to make decisions. Now, obviously we all, we wrote that all in code. So we'd have to do like a, a user interface to create all that stuff. But I, I would love to, you know, add that kind of stuff onto this. I think that would just add to the longevity of the game um and and that's what we want to do like obviously we do, we're not relying on next gen hardware for a 2d pixel art game so we already have our art aesthetic that's never going to get any older than it already is um so i just want to keep adding features to it that leads us into the obvious and i'm sure this is in the facts somewhere but create a wrestler is that going to be implemented at some point can i make my own guy can i choose my own moves uh, to be determined, right? So one of the things, you know, the in order to do it right, we, we, we have to add a ton more animations and a ton yeah. more moves. So, you know, this comes down to the business side of it, which is just that costs a lot of money. I mean, Fire Pro has basically used the same moves from their Super Nintendo game and updated them throughout. So they already have all the animations done. I'm sure they've tweaked them, but... You know, if you play Six Man Scramble, you're going to see some of the same animations that are in World. You know what I mean? Right. They're not redoing every animation from scratch each time. So um, we, we would have a sizable investment to do something like that to do it right. But what we are, we may do earlier than that. You know, and I'm not ruling that, that out, by the way. You know, if, if we really knock this out of the park... And we just keep over the next year, we just keep growing our user base and keep having fun with it. You know, we'll definitely look at it. But what I would like to do, um, there was a game, WCW uh, Wrestling. This is back on the NES. Okay, so it was not a great game by any means, but it was all we had. Uh, So there were basically three, three or four, well, three or four worthwhile games playing on the NES. It was Pro Wrestling, um, Tecmo World Wrestling. And this WCW, I think we're probably the top three. Mm. All the WWF games were not that good on the NES. Um, but anyway, they, they what they let you do is pick your moves at the beginning for each wrestler. So it didn't really matter who you were. Yeah. I think you could pick what moves you did. So I think what we would like to do is maybe something like here's a kind of a generic looking wrestler, but you can change his hair, change his tights, a couple other customization features, and you can pick his own move and name him. 
right? Yeah. Something like that. And we, we try to make the portraits kind of mimic that something. And then so you have you you'd only be select from the moves that are currently in the game, but you could pick moves from any of the wrestlers that are in the game. So that's something we're kind of throwing around. I think our, our main thing right now is let's t- take in feedback for the next couple of weeks and kind of see where the community is pointing us yeah. uh, towards and then kind of create a roadmap and say, all right, we're going to try to do these features first, then add this, you know, then add this, then add this. Uh, yeah. I was going to say that even if it were just limited to the moves that you already have in the game or the characters that are already there, I mean, I'm just going to take Warhorse's move set and then add the flying ass as his finisher. Because <laughs> like, that's, that's, <laughs> he does rule ass. <laughs> that... That is so, this is an amazing thing. I'm so glad I get the chance to like actually sit down and talk to you about it because that's one of the coolest things I get to do is like when I play a game that I think is really, really cool, or even in your case, see something that I hope is really cool right there in the future. I mean, it's such a, it's such a pleasure to get into the heads of people. And with that said, I want to kind of dive a little bit into your uh, background as a wrestling fan. Like when did you first see wrestling and what were the, you know, who were the wrestlers and the organizations that inspired you? Yeah, so I I think I was six years old when I first saw wrestling. I was at a friend's house sleeping over. He put on WWF. Um, So, you know, we saw a little bit of Hulk Hogan and and interviews because at that time they weren't on really TV. You had to go to the shows to see them. And then the next weekend came around and I was home and I I tried to watch it and I couldn't find WWF, but I found wrestling. But it happened to be Jim Crockett Promotions in the NWA. Yes. Okay, so my first, I so then I talked to my friend like the next day on Sunday or later that day on Saturday. He's like, "Hey, did you watch wrestling?" I'm like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Oh, did you see Junkyard Dog?" I'm like, "No, I saw Magnum TA and Dusty Rhodes though." And they're like, "Who?" I'm like, "What do you mean who?" You know what I mean? Did you watch the show? And then we finally figured, you know, we were six, so we finally figured out that there were two different promotions. Um, we thought they were different leagues because at the time there was the NFL and the USFL. Yeah. Um, so we thought it was something like that or something. It was just a different league. But I grew up and I actually preferred the NWA brand versus the WWF brand at the time. Now, don't get right, me wrong. I still watch like Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling and cartoons yeah. and like that. But I, I definitely liked the NWA. I liked the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight. Well, I hated the Midnight Express, but, you know, I liked, you know, them there, the Russians and, um, and I remember seeing Magnum TA win the U.S. title against Wahoo McDaniel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I really love the NWA. But I, I eventually I just started watching both all the time. And it, it really grew from there. The thing that really separated, I mean, obviously you're watching the NWA and the WWF, especially at the time, was, I mean, the NWA was very seriously, like, you could believe it was real. W- right. Never for a moment that I think WWE was real. Even when, as a little boy, I just right. loved the, the characters, which is great. That's what they built their brand on. And that's what makes wrestling special. But when you go back, I mean, I've watched worldwide or wide world of sports or whatever on sports center and seen a bunch of those old, you know, old school matches, even just like the middle card stuff. And you see like young uh, John Layfield, and this is like, this looks like these guys are beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think they were. <laughs> uh, yeah, I believe they actually were. And, and even like the, the guys out of Canada, I mean, Chris Benoit, and those, those you know, dudes up in uh, Calgary, the Bret yep. Hart's and all, all that stuff. wrestling, yeah. Wrestling was held to such a high standard of like, you cannot let people know that this is, you know, a work. And 
I really enjoy that era. I, I enjoy now. I like that everybody's in on the joke and we're having fun with it, but there's something special about that time that just resonates uh, throughout. Cause I, my experience in the Southeast was everybody kind of still has that mindset, like, even though we like, we're letting them in on the joke. Like they, they all know the kayfabe is kind of like gone of it, but the, the style of wrestling is still based in that. Like, don't, don't work right. hard. You know, don't go out there and do a bunch of crazy flips. Just go out there and tell a story. Right. And I think that's where NWA really shined at that, especially in that time frame. Absolutely. So who were your favorite wrestlers? So I said Magnum TA was one of my favorites. Um, you know, I love, I like the road warriors. I liked, uh, the rock and roll express. Yeah. Uh, I like the fantastic. So another, another thing I started watching was, uh, Bill Watts started the UWF, not the, the West coast UWF, which was another one, but this was Bill Watts. So it had Ted DiBiase, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, the Freebirds. Yeah. Uh, and it was only, it was short lived because then they merged with Jim Crockett and they had like the Terry Taylor and Nikita Koloff were the two U.S. champions, and they had to battle it out. And I think at Starcade they unified all the belts. But um, man, so many, so many great matches. And I remember being confused because I remember Jake the Snake Roberts, who was in WWF at the time, wrestled Ric Flair on UWF television, and I had no idea what was going on then. It kind of blew my mind. Um, but the, the, you know, I, and then you know, I did watch WWF though, so. You know, I liked when uh, the Legion of Doom was there. I loved, uh, obviously, the the feud between Hogan and uh, and Orndorff. I really liked when they Orndorff became friends with him. Then he pile drived him in the ring. Uh, Bundy, King Kong Bundy, and Big John Stud. Yeah. I remember the the Andre the Giant was the Super Machine uh, coming over. So uh, you know, I loved everything. And WrestleMania three was probably the pinnacle. Ricky the yeah. Dragon, Steamboat, Macho Man great match but the hogan andre thing is what sold the show you know so so you got to live through the time when you know the the territories were kind of being bought up by the federation yeah. and everything and so like i'm assuming you know at this six-year-old stage in your life you just get whatever's broadcasted to your region as yep. they played that way so did you were you even aware of like what's going on in memphis at the time with lawler and kaufman and all that nothing I knew yeah. nothing about that. I, I didn't see Memphis. The only thing I saw some uh, UWF was broadcast at like 11 p.m. at night. I remember mm -hmm. begging my parents to let me watch. I was a little older than I think that was like 85 ish. So I was like 10 then. Um, and then I saw a little bit of world class with the yeah. Von Erics and the Freebirds. That was like around the same time. That might have been at midnight they showed that. So I watched a little bit of that as well. But outside of those, I didn't know. Then I would buy wrestling magazines. So I would see, you know, some other stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, man, I got to meet Wildfire Rich one time. And <laughs> when he was old. I mean, obviously when I met him. And if he's, I don't even know if he's still among us, but one of the coolest things about being on the indie circuit was just getting to see all these like kind of legendary guys that were still doing it. Like uh, I saw bullet Barb Armstrong work <laughs> probably one of the last matches he, he ever worked. And even though, you know, it's, they're not like athletic looking dudes anymore. Like these guys just had such a, an amazing understanding of ring psychology and how to really tell that story. So even though they weren't taking bumps or they could work the younger guys and make them look so good. And right. I loved that, man. I really, really loved just seeing all of these legendary guys from that era, like kind of give back to the people now, because for a long time in wrestling, there was this culture of, you know, 
everything is for me. I'm taking care of me and only me. I'll step on other people's foots. And that is, from what I understand, kind of totally gone away. Like we're seeing it right now with a lot of the guys that you're working with. Is yeah. like AEW has been excellent for that. Like, let's really have the older talent give back to the to the new guys and try to build a, a roster that can be the legends of the future. I mean, M- MJF is one of those guys. I think Jungle Boy, if he can ever like put on some muscle, will be absolutely fantastic. Right. Uh, so, well, cool. yeah, it's a great it's a great time now because I think WWE needed some competition. Thank and God. hopefully they can can come you know step up at some point and but you know right before the pandemic started we had you know we had NWA had come back and I was really enjoying NWA power obviously we yeah. they're in our game as well but um and Impact Ring of Honor um MLW you know you had a bunch of other organizations that you know were starting to get some steam behind them. Um, so yeah. I'm hoping we can get back to that point really soon. Yeah. I, I like that. in uh, AEW has kind of tried to give back to the, yeah. I wouldn't say NWA is like the smaller indie or anything like that, but I mean, definitely yeah, they don't I have mean, the television prowess and all that, right, but absolutely. like having Thunder Rosa on competing for the women's title yep. and, you know, doing the cross promotion and everything. I think they, they, they did the, the stunt with Kenny Omega going on uh, was it was impact. Yep. Very interesting stuff going on there. So I yeah, it's that, awesome. You know, and I'm hoping we can we can get all those guys in our game too. Yeah. Uh, do, have you gotten to interact with Billy Corgan at all? No, not at all. Oh, damn, that all. would be so cool, man. <laughs> what an interesting human being he must. Yeah, be. I, I know. No, we haven't. We basically it was uh, the person we dealt with before left, um, and then we're dealing directly, basically, with Nick Aldis now. Yeah. That's. I mean you're getting to meet all these fucking legendary people, man. I'm so jealous of you. Yeah. It's been pretty, you know, I, it's been pretty cool. Like I've gotten to know Stevie Richards pretty well. I've, I consider mm-hmm. him a friend now. I talk to him pretty frequently and Tommy dreamer as well. Um, he's been great, uh, navigate, helping me navigate through, through everything as well. Yeah. man. So what, what's the advice that they've given you? I mean, just like, welcome to the first thing is like, you're welcome to the crazy world of pro wrestling. Yeah. You know, cause it's, 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 it's a, it's a circus um for sure um but you know they just you know they've given me you know they they help me identify more of the bs stuff that's around that i wouldn't necessarily see and i wouldn't say i'm a mark but i'm definitely a fan and um which i don't know if there's even any difference i've definitely gotten to learn some of the term terminology though it's like one of the things i noticed early on is it, I don't know if you see, you're pretty young, but the Smurfs, you know, the Smurfs, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. But everybody called, you know, they said, oh, that's Smurfy or the, you know, they used the word Smurf interchangeably with basically everything. Yeah. That's the way wrestlers use the word gimmick. Everything's a gimmick. This gimmick, that's gimmick. Oh, oh did you see that gimmick over there? Oh, yeah. give me that gimmick. You know, it's like everything's a gimmick. So yeah. learning, learning the wrestling terminology, you know, heat and, and not that I wasn't familiar with it, but just the, the, they definitely speak almost a different dialect of English, you know, with all the specific wrestling terminology. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a hundred percent true. I, I got very confused like the first little while that I was around a lot of people. I mean, uh, do you remember action Mike Jackson? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I got to go up to is Northern Alabama is where he, he kind of like runs or ran his show. I'm not sure what he's doing these days. And little shit, like I, I just bring my my friends up there and be like, hey, come watch me wrestle. And, 
you know, we get there and I've got them in the, in the arena with me before the show starts. And they're like, who are these fucking marks? I'm like, Oh, they're my friends. They're cool. You know, they're, they're like, no, get them the fuck out of here. They can't know. Like it can't see all these people talking to each other. I'm like, it's 2000 fucking 14, man. Everybody knows. <laughs> That's uh, funny. That's yeah. funny. I, I got to, I got to work on a show that I think it was the honky talk man was there and Greg, the hammer Valentine. Rhythm and, and blues reunion. Yeah. So Greg was like changing in the locker room and he had told somebody like, uh, yeah, I'll sign an autograph for your, for your daughter or whatever. Like, that'd be cool. So they just took that as like, Oh, I could just walk right in there. So Greg's standing here with his hammer, his legendary hammer hanging out. And this dude <laughs> walks in with these two, like, young. I'm like, dude, this is not okay. Get out of here. <laughs> Man. But that was such a, such a cool That's experience. That's funny. Do you, uh, do you have any other kind of aspirations or thoughts of, you know, who you would like to see on the roster? I know that you, it's kind of a weird contracting situation because like Colt, I guess after you guys had already linked up, then signed with AEW. Right. So that's not a problem for you guys. No, we had them first. If anything, it should be a problem for AEW, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, all of our, you know, that happened with a bunch of our guys like Chris Bay, yeah. who's going to be our first DLC signed mm-hmm. with impact afterwards. Cardona yeah. and Myers are with impact now. Uh, John Morrison's back with WWE. Um, so we had a bunch, you know, we make stars at Retromania Wrestling. We, we, we're the launching pad for a lot of these guys' careers. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who, you know, tune in for the Road Warriors or tune right. in for a particular indie guy. And then they, they oh, who's Jeff Cobb? Like, right. And then they go watch that. Uh, he's one of my favorites. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. I love Jeff Cobb's probably my favorite wrestler in the game. Just because yeah. I love his moves. Um, yeah. I love the Tour of the Islands is my favorite move in the game, and uh, it's been awesome. That must have been a really difficult one to like, kind of get right. With the, yeah, it the was. and Because I, yeah. I needed it. The, the original WrestleFest had a power slam in it, and it was modeled after Ted DiBiase. Yeah. A, a bunch of different wrestlers did it, but DiBiase had one of the greatest power slams you know, ever. Uh, in wrestling it was For just sure. so smooth and in wrestlefest they captured it really well and every time i did it it felt good like it just felt satisfying to do that move and i wanted to capture that feeling with jeff cobb's tour of the islands and i think we did because i love I, I can do that move over and over again i love it every time so uh, you got the ip to wrestlefest i assume so we we have the name right yeah. so that unfortunately all the characters in it though are all over the place so there's a shot we could get a couple of them for a future DLC, but most of them are owned by WWE. So, yeah. And they have an exclusive deal with 2K or Take-Two. Um, so, you know, I never say never, but it's doubtful. We'll, we'll definitely won't get all the wrestlers. Um, but we, we have uh, Arc System Works owns the rights to the, the arcade game WrestleFest. Yeah. So that's how we're able to market ourselves as the official sequel to WrestleFest. And we actually have Matt Mania, which was an earlier wrestling game. We have uh, some of their characters depicted in the game as well. So something that I have to acknowledge here is I see this. Uh, people listening won't hear it, but you have a cabinet in the corner back yep. here. Uh, so are you going to try to shop that out to the arcades of the world? or? So that is actually um, – we did a deal uh, with a company called II Arcade. 
they are a connected arcade machine manufacturer. So that machine not only plays Retromania, but there's a store built into it. It's Wi-Fi connected, and you can buy new and old games for that arcade machine. So it's just like another console like the Switch or the PS4 or the Xbox One. It just happens to be an arcade machine. Um, and then part of the deal was I wanted, I said, jokingly, I said, Hey, you got to give me some free marketing and stat, uh, smack our logo on some of your units. So they did one step better and they created a limited edition retromania, uh, arcade cabinet. So it's great publicity for us. Uh, you know, as part of the deal, we're on their platform. So anyone who owns an IRK, cause they sell maybe four or five different models of the of that unit, not just mm -hmm. Retromania, but they have a whole bunch of different ones. But all of them can play Retromania. You can buy that game from their store. So I thought it was great. Uh, it would be a great marketing for us just to see retro, a Retromania arcade machine. Now, is that your preferred method to play the game? You know what? I go back and forth because yeah. it, everything, it's tough because like testing was a pain. Because the default controls on like Switch are different than Xbox and PS4, and then different than the arcade machine. So I've been going back and forth. I do like button smashing on an arcade button. So there's points in time in our game where you have to button smash to, to win a grapple or something. So it definitely it's easier to button smash quickly on an arcade machine for sure. Yeah, I've got to give you props, man, because I mean, I'm primarily cover first person shooters and uh, play on the PC. So I actually tried to play Retromania with a mouse and keyboard and I was like, nope, nope yeah. we're going to get a controller. Yeah, it supports uh, <laughs> it, but not not well. It doesn't play that well. It wasn't meant for that. I mean, it could be done. It's just right. like not intuitive. And that right. was like a, I had to kind of relearn how to use a controller for about, you know, 30 minutes. Because <laughs> I got through the tutorial. I was like, okay, I'm good. I, I, I can handle this. And then, and then it gets like, okay, well now I got to fight who? Right. And, and as you said, it was more difficult at that point. So I'm like, this right. is not going to work. No, that's all of this has been really, really cool. Man, we're coming up on the hour mark, so I don't want to keep you for too long. Uh, to be honest with you, there's a barbed wire death match about to happen on AEW's okay. pay-per-view. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So uh, just for the, the last five minutes here, is there anything that you want to kind of like say to uh, potential people who may want to pick up the game or even the people who are currently out there trying to get into it? Yeah. I mean, just check us out. RetromaniaWrestling.com has all the details on the game. Uh, if you go onto Steam's website and search Retromania Wrestling, you'll see a lot of great reviews for the game as it stands right now. Mm -hmm. um, we are like 83, 84% positive ratings. So people are really enjoying the game. We're going to be releasing on consoles. Uh, hopefully in the next week or so, we should be out on all the consoles as well. So Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo. A um, couple, few delays getting out to the consoles, uh, but we're almost there. So we'll be available everywhere in, in the next uh, week or so. Mike, it's been really, really cool uh, spending some time getting to know you and everything. And as you guys put out updates, I'd love to have you on again or even other members of the team to just keep getting updates and keep the keep the fans engaged. It's been really Would fun. love to. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Alrighty, folks, that wraps it up for this week. Thank you very much to Mike Herman for making time to be on the show, man. I love talking about wrestling, as you guys know, and that was a really, really cool one. Uh, definitely go pick up Retromania Wrestling right now on uh, Steam or you know whatever platform you end up getting it on. It's absolutely just loads of fun all the way through top to bottom. 
Also got to shout out my boy Papa Sko. Thank you to him. If you haven't already heard his uh, recent episode on In The Key, definitely check it out. He's a great guy. He's a great YouTube reviewer, so check out his YouTube channel as well. But I have to say big thanks to him for pointing me in the direction of Retromania, which I was not tracking until we had that conversation. Much love to you, brother. I uh, had to pick some music for this thing. We couldn't actually use the Retromania soundtrack for some various legal reasons I don't understand. So I was like, well, what can we put in here? And I was like, uh, well, let's just use some music from someone else who I know loves wrestling. So this is from the soundtrack to Age of Hell uh, and Bastion of Chaos created by Prime Evil, which all of that is my buddy Bridgeburner's project. So definitely, you know, if you're not following that, check it out too. Another big thing to point out. Organ Grinder number two, April 10th. Be there or be fucking square. Hosted by Tasty Spleen. I plan to be doing commentary again. May may have some sketches or something that I do. I'm not sure. I, I'm just going to show up and go for the ride and see what happens. But Organ Grinder number one was so fantastic. If you don't know what the Organ Grinder is, it is this epic, epic... Uh, I don't. It's not a tournament, so it's a series of exhibition matches across several different arena fps games uh, all duels so 1v1s and diabotical uh, the last one we got to see uh, doom 2 match between devastation and hatred uh, we saw some Doombringer. uh quake 4 even made an appearance which was like all right cool whatever had a great time absolutely enjoyed it amazing people working on this stuff like uh boove od obviously rotten rose and jahar uh, myself, uh, Human Bones. You can't go wrong with this shit, man. So, uh, yeah, April 10th, Organ Grinder number two, be there, you fucker. Last thing, uh, not gonna read off supporters today, but I will say that if you are thinking about becoming a supporter of In the Keep, you should. What you get in return is early episodes, uh, you get access to our exclusive Discord, uh, you get to see who's gonna be on the show next, and you get episodes early. And if you, I don't know, if you donate more than like 25 bucks, it doesn't matter Like if you're a Patreon supporter and it's like 5 bucks a month. When you reach $25, I'll mail you a fucking t-shirt because I love you. That's right. I love you. <sighs> That's it for today. I have some really fucking cool guests for you guys coming up real soon. I can't wait for you all to see it. Till next time, though, just enjoy this music and stay in the heat. <laughs>